who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. If I were to talk to like my former self at, like as a teenager to relax a bit, it's fine. It's okay. I was just so heavily into that idea of what being a good, good person meant, and it's like... Also something working out in therapy is, is is those regrets and those those things you said no to that you're like, yeah, it would have been okay to say yes to. Hi guys, good morning. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Awkward Sex in the City. Um, I know I say this every time, every episode, and I'm always like, this is a, such a great conversation. And again, this is such a great conversation. Like, I I just want to shout out all my past guests and Ian. Ian's my guest today of just like being so cool and so open and just ready and willing to talk. And that is why every episode is just such a great conversation and it's never the same. And like the same thing happens on the show. I mean, the show is not conversational. Um, the show is nothing like the podcast. Um, it is people's like, you know, actual sets and stories and things like that. But it's just another like example of people just being so cool and and relaxed and ready to be so vulnerable and intimate in a way that maybe they haven't in the past for a show or for a podcast. And I'm just like a so honored. I'm just so honored. And this episode, we talk a lot about, we talk about a lot of things like we always do, but we talk a lot about religion and how religion shaped us and our sexualities and our ideas of sex and what we were comfortable with and why um, certain things, you know, maybe went a certain way. And I feel like it's a very vague way to kind of talk about this, um, do a synopsis for this episode. And of course, we also talk about, you know, Ian's also a creative, a comedian, a very funny comedian. 
and we talk about success and failure. And again, it's just, it goes back to everything being tied together. And I think as I've gotten the older, the more that I have come to realize that, and the more I've spent on therapy to come to realize how everything is so interconnected for ourselves personally, um, and emotionally and immensely and physically, um, it's allowed a lot of growth for myself in, um, in a way that I'd always wanted when I was younger. Um, it was like, it was the missing piece maybe. And I think for me that just really helped. And I hope that I can help you too. And maybe that's what you need and maybe it's not what you need. Um, but that realization is, was really groundbreaking for me or like my epiphany moment or, uh, my late grandmother would call it her like aha moment. Um, though she used it in a mean way, (laughs) spoiler. And then like my grandma, um, which happens sometimes your grandparents aren't all sweet and bubbly. Um, anywho, what a weird intro outro. They're always weird though. Right. This is like my moment, uh, of just me. Um, I haven't done a solo episode in so long. I've been thinking about it though, just because, um, I don't know if y'all like them, but they were really cathartic for me, Um, which I guess is like, you know, people will say that after the um, not everyone, but some pubs, um, some pubs, some people will say like, you know, it was a very cathartic therapeutic episode or like talk. And maybe that's why when it was just me, it felt the same way um, as what other people have said. But yeah, I really think you're going to find this to be a very interesting episode. I can't wait for you to listen and I can't wait for you to follow. I'm oh, sorry. My guest is Ian Goldstein and I can't wait for you to follow Ian Goldstein. Um, you can follow him at I Ian, sorry, Ian Y E S O K on all the social medias. And he's got a great show called autoimmune saloon. And the next one, he just had one this past week. And his next one is May 23rd at caveat. If you are in New York city and my favorite part is we do end the episode talking about poop. You know how much I love to talk about poop. Um, and yeah, enjoy. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. So wait, I don't think I knew this. Are you in a relationship? I'm in a relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever knew this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Becca. I've been dating Becca for, it's been about, it's five years. Oh my uh, God. I feel yeah, like yeah. such an asshole. Well, I mean, we haven't seen each other so much, you know, like over, especially with COVID and everything. I'm saying me and you haven't seen mm-hmm. each other that much. I think we went to an awkward sex in the city together once. That might have been the case, potentially. Was Becca uh, at the one that you did? She... If she wasn't at that one, it was the one you did at, um, oh my God, why am I forget? What's the, what's the name of that, the shop on Bergen? That's also in the Manhattan. Uh, the, the pleasure chest? Pleasure chest. I feel like there was one at the pleasure chest that. Yes. Yes. That's where it yeah. was pre COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll never forget that. I was supposed to have a show, I think like March 14th, 2020. And I had like the venue was like, no, we're canceling everything. Um, The sex shop was canceling everything. But I remember I had to be like, hey, I think I think I got to I think I got to call this. And like, I love Pleasure Chest. They're they're great. I haven't gone back yet because uh, it was in a basement and there was no ventilation Mm -hmm. and the AC didn't work. And they'd every month be like, no, we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. And they never did. And it would just be wow. these poor people just like sweating in this like basement sex shop. Um, okay. Wow. No, I'm definitely mad Becca. I am the worst. I'm the worst. No, I, if you did, it was probably once. That was the only thing. It was probably, it was, and it was probably a long time ago. So um, yeah, we, it's been since 2017. Uh, we've been together. 
and then moved in together during the pandemic. Uh, I was living in Park Slope. My apartment had a fire. That's a whole separate thing. Oh my and God. Uh, yeah, and that finally was like, and then that night I moved in with Becca, which was, we were on that track anyway to move in together. But it was like, the fire was like, all right, just you two. Go. That was like, the sign. Yeah. Yeah. It was like 3 a.m. that night. And I was like, uh, yeah, I think I think that's it for my apartment. Uh, and, and, and like I was trying to call everyone in my life to see like who was awake and uh, nobody was awake. So I got a cab. I got like an, a cab over to Becca's apartment and started buzzing crazily. And then her and her roommate were like, don't answer that. Like, who is that? And uh, I was like, I texted her. I was like, yep, that's me. I only have my laptop so um oh my yeah. god did you lose yeah. everything no i didn't i actually the things were salvaged i mean it was this is a a, a a sadder story uh not because of my stuff or the apartment that we had people who lived on our floor who didn't even live there they were visitors this is a total downer to start this podcast but yeah they unfortunately they were very young and they were in the apartment that was on fire and they did not get out uh so it was very yes it was a very sad story i i apologize for starting no, no, this way no. But yeah, they so they were there. And so, uh, um, yeah, so it was a really intense thing that happened. This was January 2020. And um, oh my yeah, God. so they unfortunately didn't get out. The rest of the building, we all got out that night. And that's when I went to Becca's and me and my roommate and his girlfriend left and um, called the fire department. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah. And so it's, it's a weird thing looking back on it now because then you're like, all right, Jan that was January 2020 and then a few months later is COVID so it's it's so I was yeah it was a, week, a very bizarre year uh to say the least yeah like holy shit and yeah. what's oh my god that's so scary and you're not like the first person I know to like have their their apartment catch on fire and like yeah and, and not like a the, minor fire right and it was the apartment next door to us there was the unit on the same floor so our apartment went up being okay, but it was just, it was, it was completely destroyed just because of smoke and the firefighters coming in. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it did make me more like, you know, going forward, you're like, okay, what, what's that sound? Oh my God. Is that like, what could cause a fire? It's, you're very like plugged into what, you know, potential oh. fires at any moment now. But, oh yeah. yeah. I'm very um sensitive to gas or like what i think is the smell of gas we live yeah. above an auto shop and so you will smell gas but it's like gasoline like it's like car oh. gasoline and then you have to be like wait no 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 that's it's not gas gas um because this is one of my favorite fun facts which is not a favorite fact but like gas doesn't have a smell right they make it smell like eggs so you smell it so you can stop a gas leak or like prevent a fire and I can't remember who I was telling that to. And they were just like, that's not true. And I was like, no, like gas does not smell like it, like the ones that we use, like to like in our oven shit. Um, but I'm always mm -hmm. like, what is is that? What was that going to start a fire? Because it's just. Yeah. Fire. <laughs> fire is so scary. Fire is so scary. And I was just like, I. Uh, yeah, I, I, I there's yeah, there's so many instances of just like, yeah, like is this I get, And I think also the thought is like, do I even know how to handle a fire? Like if fire happened, do I know what I'm doing? And I most of the time, like I think, like I don't. Oh, because you can't, you can't put water on a grease fire, but you can't, like, but you have to get the right fire extinguisher for that. But you can smother it. But am I smothering it correctly? And it's a whole, it's a whole thing. But it's a whole thing. Yeah. When I was um right before I moved to New York City back in um, I think it was 2011. So like, almost like what 12, 13 years from that from then, I was a camp supervisor, like a summer mm. camp supervisor. 
Loved it. Great, great job. But <laughs> the first week we did like a camp out. Um, and we, it was a group of all girls, uh, as my, my staff. And we did like a, um, we like cook hot dogs for the, for the, the, um, camp. And none of us had ever used like a grill before. Uh, so we do it. We're like, we think this is right. And then we had the coals and we were like, well, what do we do with the coals? And I was like, I guess just like dump them, like dump them in the trash. Um, so we dump them in this like municipal, like public school trash can and it starts an immediate fire oh my god and like it's also like where the school board was so like people are there and they're like i'm like with the kids it was almost like this is awful to say but it was like i'm with the kids i'm like we're doing like camp songs and one of my girls whispers in my ear kind of like bush 9-11 like there's a dumpster fire and i was like i had to be like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then i was like okay so I had one, I was like, you stay here, you sing with the kids and you just see me in flip flops, like run to the fire extinguisher and like run outside. And the best part was I go to turn it on and it doesn't work. And I was like, what the fuck? Cause there's like, if you ever have to use a fire extinguisher, you have to take out the pin. There was like a little right. pin and then you do it. And so then it was fine. We got it all figured out. I put it back where it goes. And then I had to call my boss and be like, hey, yeah, like we had a great first week, like good, good times. We started a fire, but it's OK. I got it with the fire extinguisher, um, like try to get it in real quick. And he was like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, but it's good. I didn't use the whole thing. Like it's still I put it right back. And he was like, Natalie, we go over this in training. Like if you use it, you have to call us immediately because we have to immediately replace it in full. Like, and it was such a mess. And I just remember like, yeah, yeah, no, we're fine. That's my my fire story. That was it. That's like the closest I've been to like starting a fire, like a real situation. Yeah, but uh, but I, I feel like I would do the exact same thing. Like you just throw it in the trash. You don't like you don't know anything. I didn't grow up. I mean, there were even fire drills in school, but I, I really didn't l- learn enough about this. And I wish we had because it's so it's one of the most terrifying things in life. As you said, it's so scary. Um, and then I, you know, I'm on TikTok also and I see like stories, of fires and other things. I'm just like, this is it's yeah, it's it's scary stuff. So, yeah. Um, Have you ever seen a fire drill in New York City, like at a New York City public school? Not in New York City, no. It's um the only reason I bring it up. So we live right across the street from elementary school. And so it's usually they do it once a month and the kids have to go all the way out and they have to go like multiple blocks. And by multiple blocks, they have to like go one block over. But a poor teacher has to um get in the middle of the road with a stop sign and stop all traffic, like all traffic for the whole oh, thing. Wow. And New Yorkers with cars um hate this. So like I like I work in customer service. I'm on phones like remotely from my job, and I'll just hear all of a sudden people screaming like "You motherfucker, get the fuck out of the way!" and like screaming and like harassing this poor. It's usually like this little like twenty something year old girl. My favorite is when it's not. It's like someone older, and they yeah. get like in their faces, being like, "It's for the fucking kids." But it's like the craziest thing you'll ever see. And then last week or the week before, there's a fire drill, and I was like, "This is weird." It's usually like right in the morning. And then next thing you know, there was like five to seven fire trucks, like a hundred, not a hundred, like 50 firemen actually like ready to go in. And it's really cold. And the kids are like crying because they're so Ugh. cold outside because they were there. I want to say fire drill started at like. One thirty and then pickup is at two forty for public schools. 
Um, so they were out there until like their parents started picking them up and they're just like crying and exhausted. And the same thing was happening though. These men just like screaming at these people blazing wow. through just because they want to get somewhere. Um, I just always found it so funny. It was like, dude, there's obviously just like kids, like, like yeah. calm down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Really what funny. a tangent. What a tangent. I could <laughs> talk about fire all the time. Um, but so, okay. So you were saying you and Becca were in like going to start the talk of moving in together or you were like, you already had before that happened. And it was just kind of, yeah, like, I mean, well, there was, uh, and this might be something not worth putting on the podcast later, but there was like hesitation with moving in on my part. Uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, there was like hesitation on my part for a while, just because of like, definitely stuff I go over in therapy with like just fears of, um, yeah fears of like living together and fears of just a lot of fear associated with with that stuff so so we were dating for like two years and we were talking about it but there was just like you know i i lived with a friend in college and i had a really bad experience mm-hmm. um like really bad like i was this was someone i liked and was friends with and i was like living together maybe resent this person so much uh and uh yeah and so essentially there was a fear of like okay in a relationship but i am terrified to live with someone because i don't want to resent them i don't want to getting you know getting angry at them for things that don't matter like i don't i don't like myself i don't think it's fair to do that to somebody so um and just the general fear of you know relationship stuff anyway but um yeah so that's sort of where the conversation was and then the fire was like all right uh yeah this is gonna just accelerate everything so no, but that's so real because, like, yeah. was Becca also like the first like romantic partner that you were gonna live with? Uh, she, yes, the first romantic partner I was gonna live with. That uh, this was an actual discussion. Yes, uh, before that was a lot of like, not a lot at all, but like, very brief, uh, just like month long things. Uh, so I, yeah, I had a lot. I had things before because I. Since I was like 16, 17, I was very set on, I'm not going to have sex till I'm married. Oh, I'm not, okay. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I, my brother, okay. I was raised Jewish. I was raised as a conservative Jewish person, but I never thought, and my parents got divorced. Uh, and I, my dad was very, like Jewish, very into Judaism, traditional. My mom, not at all. Uh, uh, got, you know, was uh, with a woman for many years. Uh, still is, uh, and so I didn't care when my parents divorced. But as I got older, I started getting more into Judaism. Like my brother became an Orthodox Jew, and I started thinking, like, okay, like it's not right to be with anyone until you're married. And I was like dead set on this. I'm like, I'm going to be kosher. I'm going to do all this stuff. And but along the way, I started seeing someone. Like right after high school ended, I had my like first kiss when I was like 17, and and I I really liked. Uh, this person and she like wanted to be in a relationship with her, but she wasn't Jewish. So I was like, no, we can't, we can't be in a relationship together. Oh, wow. Uh, Which, yeah. But meanwhile, you know, we were still like, we were doing everything sexual, but not like intercourse or not like, you know, not that, not that. Cause I was like, no, we can't do that. It's what kind of like twisted mindset I was in at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's where, so I was very in that mindset for a long time, the Jewish, like I'm going to marry Jewish, uh, first person to sleep with is Jewish. And yeah, that was my mindset for a while. Uh, 
and then that yeah no that i think that's really interesting like and um don't worry i feel like a lot of people think that for a long time too or or go like um carry through with that and that's okay like what works best for someone like i mean i was raised catholic and Mm. they shove that down your throat of like you Mm. should not ever um so i totally get that when when did it switch for you when were you like oh was it the girl that you kissed that but did you guys ever date no we never dated but it was like a year-long thing of like Mm -hmm. we both went into our freshman years of college she was in boston and i was in upstate new york and i was like i i miss her and i kept thinking about her and like and then she was with someone else. And I'm like, oh, God, this all hurts a lot. So it was like kind of Aww. like these on and off things for like a year um, until that kind of stopped. And we're still, I would still say we're friends. Uh, but yeah, that stopped because the thing is, I went, to, I was going to college. And part of the reason I was going to the specific school was like, oh, they have a Chabad there. I'm going to meet the Jewish woman of my dreams. Like that's where it's going to happen. And then four years go by and you're like, well, I, uh, that didn't happen. And I, like anytime if I did meet someone at a party and there was like a hookup, I would be like, um, I would feel like immense shame and guilt after oh, the no. fact. I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. Why did I do that? Uh, so there was there was a lot of just like, this is all wrong. I should not be doing this. Looking back, you know, you know, however many years later now, it's like, Ian, you should have just enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and that's what, you know, my friend would be like, just it's okay. These things are fine. But I'm like, it's not fine though. It's not fine for your, who your, your spiritual self. Um, so when I was like 22 and, um, after college, I worked in a bookstore and I met someone there, uh, and, uh, woman Lauren, and we worked in, worked in the bookstore together and became really friendly. And, and then we started seeing each other. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm 22 years old now, which now seems very young, but I was like, I'm getting old. I need, this is, I'm not, I don't want to be, you know, like a 30 year old virgin. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's mm-hmm. not what I want. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, yeah. And so finally that I was like, I get this, I'm not gonna, I, w- I was still in the mindset of like, I want to marry Jewish, but like, it was, it was kind of crumbling a little bit. Cause I'm like, I, how much does this matter? You know, you, as you said, you grew up Catholic. So I'm, I'm curious to hear about that. Like, when you're a kid, you really, a lot of us at least absorb these things people tell us. They're like, you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that, because they you think these are the right things to do in life and in the world. But as you get older, you're like, they don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really mm-hmm. like it scares me in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a very like harsh statement of how because you're so young. And so you're like, yes, I'm going to listen to whatever this adult is telling me. They want the best for me. Um, And this isn't like my actually my parents are very like pretty liberal when it comes to this stuff. But like the cat, like when I went to Catholic school, it was like you can't like our our legit sex talk in eighth grade was you should become a nun. Like you should go into um, the practice, you know, and it was very, very weird. And like, just I, what I hate, what scares me is like, so you listen to these people, you respect these people as a child, like they're your teachers, your mentors, and these are very like formative years. Um, So you don't question a lot of times you really like this. Why would, why would I question this? Like they're Mm. adults, at least for me, that's how it was. Uh, for a long time, I'm trying to think when the 
I think the real switch for me, so we went to a very small, very small Catholic school, like a graduating class of, um, I think, 14 people in eighth grade, uh, 12 girls, two boys. So it was like a fucking bloodbath. Um, and I think uh, I think it was seventh or eighth grade. It was eighth grade. Um, one of my friends, her family was like very, very strict, but she was like talking to a boy on the phone and what we would do was like do like a three-way call so that mm-hmm. way like the parents didn't know it was something like that i'm a little vague i'm a little fuzzy on the on the details but the school found out about this the school found out it was happening and i knew my parents wouldn't be mad as much as my friend's parents. So I said it was me. I was like, I am the one talking to the boy. Huh. And like, I got sent to like the principal's office and there, the principal vice principal was like calling my mom. And I remember it was a very long conversation away from me on the phone. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm getting in so much trouble. What's happening. And I was like, I don't fucking care if you're talking to a boy, like they have no right Cause it was like, is she going to get like taken out of school? Like what's happening? And they're like, they have no right to um, decide what you do outside Mm -hmm. of school and what we teach you or allow outside of school. Um, They were like pissed off at the three-way call bill. Cause it was like, what? 75 cents a call. Like each time you do a three-way call, they were pissed off at that. Um, But I think that's when I started to be like, whoa, this is weird. Like, People like the adults are fighting over like something that I thought they'd all be the same about. And then also like, I don't know how, where Judaism falls in this, but I remember we were talking about like souls. Like it was like, who has a soul? And I remember being like, oh, like, does my dog have a soul? And my mom, like this, this, I'm not going to say her real name, but she was such a cunt. We'll call her sister. I keep saying, want to say her name. Um, Sister Butt. Sister Butt was like, no, uh, your dog is an animal. Your dog doesn't have a soul. A soul. So when it dies, it immediately goes to hell. And that's when I was like, I'm out. Wow. I'm out. Like, this is such bullshit. You cannot tell me that, like, we are the only ones that get to live, like, a life after whatever. Um, huh. And so that I, like, middle school, I think, is definitely where things started to get really dicey for me. I feel like, like, I'm trying to think if there was an exact moment. But I remember, like, all the shame around, like, talking to someone, dating someone, holding hands, kissing. And it was, like, none of that made sense in a lot of ways. Like, once I started to get horny, right? Once I started being, like, this is my body. My body wants to do certain things. Um, Yeah. It's crazy. It's wild. And it really, like, sticks with you for a long time. Because my mom um, has talked about in the past how much. And this is why she was, like, easier on me and my brother was like how much Catholic guilt fucked her up and wow. with sex and dating. Um, Cause she went to Catholic school like her whole life, I think uh, like public school life. Um, and it really, really like fucked her up. And it's like a real, like Catholic guilt is like ugh, there. And I'm, it sounds like there's also a lot of Jewish guilt. Not that I can speak. Yeah. of Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've always heard from friends about Catholic guilt and how intense that is too. And I, I think is that's the thing. I didn't grow up with anyone saying you're going to hell which mm-hmm. I think if I did, that would be even more intense. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a, that's a lot to hear, because then it's like you're, you feel evil, I assume. But, mm-hmm. I, but, I, but so w- the thing is, uh, for me, it was more of the absence of, like in Hebrew school, they never talked about sex. My parents never talked to me about sex. 
Mm. Um, so it was just, there was just nothing. And then they got divorced and like, I never saw them kiss or hold hands. I'd never. So when I entered relationships, I, it sounds like maybe you had a similar thing. I like, or dating anybody, I was just like, I didn't hold hands. I wasn't like, I wasn't not romantic, but I wasn't like the romantic that maybe you'd want to be, or that is ideal. Um, holding hands was very awkward and there was never a sex talk. So without that, it's kind of left out in the open of like, okay, what is okay and what's not. Um, and yeah. And with Judy, so with Judaism, there's never talked about it until I started talking on the phone with this rabbi that my brother was talking to. And he was just like, no, it's, I'm telling you, if you don't wait until marriage, it's, it's like bad for your soul, essentially what you're saying. And how do you, how do you actually like uh, quantify that or think of that? You, mm-hmm. Like you can't, there are actions you take in the world where you're like, okay, if I do this, I'm probably a bad person. But I thought, okay, if I like hook up with someone at a party, just like just kissing, even that's, that's wrong. Like you're leading, like you're leading them on or whatever you're It's just, it's, it's wrong. And, um, yeah. And so, uh, my mom was always like fine with whatever. She's like, no, whoever you meet is fine. Whoever you date is fine. It's all good. But the other part was so strong because knowing that if I told my dad, I'm dating someone not Jewish, like they're like, he would just be, he wouldn't even be angry. He would just be like silent for a long time and that's the that's worse in a lot of ways because you're just like oh god this is hitting him so hard he can't even react oh my um, god yeah 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 and so just, it's yeah oh no no i interrupted you no 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 no. what are you saying i was gonna say um when you talked about like when they said it's 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 bad for your soul if you do this and like yeah. you learn about a soul quote unquote when you're mm-hmm. young and it's such a like vague like what how do you even explain this and i think i got here i got to where i'm at now like um as an adult but i finally hit a point where i was just like like so i i personally don't believe in a god i just think that what um happens in the world or if there is a God, he's not a, a nice God. You know, it's we've got Old Testament God mm-hmm. if there's a God. But I just really hate the idea. It drives me crazy of this like idea of like you have to do these certain things to protect your soul or protect whatever is going to happen to you in the afterlife. And to me, then that completely destroys the idea of it. Because then why are you doing these things? Are you doing it because you fully believe it? Or are you doing it because... It's what you have to do to get to the mm-hmm. next step. So like, I don't believe in like a heaven or hell. I don't believe, like, I think like, this is what we get. We get this and we should make the most out of this and be exactly who we're supposed to be and like the best versions of that. And hopefully that is a good version, like a, like a, a good and like, we're not going to make people feel like shit. We're not going to hurt people, like stuff like that and hope for that. Um, because otherwise, like, then what's the point? Because then it just completely takes away the pureness of your actions. Yeah. Because like, like not to be like, like you wanted to have sex. You wanted to, like you liked people that weren't Jewish. You wanted to date them, but they, you're being told, no, 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 you can't. It's not good for your soul. But then it's like, but if that's what you really want. And that makes your soul happier and more complete or whatever, like it made you feel. Why is that wrong? And why? It's like, <laughs> I remember in Catholic school. This is also a great conversation. I remember in Catholic school, we were talking about sins and Sister Butt was like, okay, if you go to Best Buy and you want to steal the Step Brothers DVD, like you're you're in your mind, you're like, you want to do it. You're going to do it. But then a security guard goes by and that stops you. So you don't commit the sin, like the act of, because you wanted to, you still committed it. 
And I was like, I get where she's coming from, but also like, fuck you. I still didn't do the sin. I did not do the act of. I did not take that DVD and walk yes. out without paying for you it. You are a hundred percent correct. I mean, like, I, obviously, you know that already, but like, that's that actually is something that I remember talking to my brother about, and I always agreed with this idea of like, there is a huge difference between what you're thinking, what you say, and what you actually do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it thoughts. Thoughts are absolutely like whatever thought you have is 100% fine because it's a thought and you can't control that. And it's like, but the action is a different step. If you actually take the action to do something, that's that's different. And that's that's a different level. And uh, you're making a specific choice there. Um, Granted, stealing a stepbrother's DVD is not the worst (laughs) thing in the world. But like but but I, I. that's it's sort of along those lines is that I would argue with my friend. My friend was uh, like Greek Orthodox and he was a big believer in Jesus. And at that time in my life, when I was like 16, I was like, here's why Jesus is not the Messiah. I was just like so intent on like proving him wrong, which like now it's like, this is all ridiculous. Who cares? Uh, but like, and, but, but this friend would also be someone who would hook up with people and we would be okay with it. Um, and I remember talking to him about that. He's like, it's okay if you hook up with people. And I was like, it's not though. He's like, yeah, but you want to, it's okay. But I'm like, no, but if I do everything I want, let's say I wanted to do heroin. Like that was always my go-to is heroin. It was just like, for some reason <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was like, no, but if I want to do heroin, is that okay? Obviously it's not. It's like, it's not, but it's, you know, realizing now these are, it's it's a pointless argument. Cause it's like, that's, I'm, I'm inserting a very extreme example. But um, so this idea of wants, I was like, oh, but I, it's not about what I want. It's about what's right. And like, but if you, it, but you know, and I think there are certain things in life that's okay to live by that rule sometimes to make certain choices. But yeah, there you have to if you really analyze what's okay in certain situations. Like maybe this want isn't the worst thing in the world, um, but you only realize that maybe twenty years later. So it's it's uh, yeah yeah. But also like when we're growing up and we're being taught things, especially with like for me for religion, is we're taught within extremes. Yeah. If you do this, you'll go to hell. If you do this, bad things will happen. Like right. if you do blah, blah, blah. So I think it's a very fair argument as a, a child, as you're growing up to argue within extremes as well, because it's kind of how it's presented to us. Uh, we're not really presented right away, at least these nuances. Um, and I think that's why as you slowly grow and live, like live your life, you see how nuanced life is in every day to day, like actions. Um and thoughts and like i think like when you say that like well what if i want to do heroin like that's a very honestly a very fair argument like in that time in that sense and it's just like really like shapes and affects how you see the world how you see yourself and how you see affecting others because even like being like oh you know what i'm gonna abstain from sex uh because of x y and z that's also like you know in your mind too like helping like keeping that situation going um if that makes sense because that's what you were kind of taught you know mm. and also i think like oh i lost it ah oh, shit it'll come back to me it'll come back to okay. me but basically long story short to to argue in extremes makes sense because yeah i mean we're religion is in a way to me just an extreme idea not like extremist but it is like yeah. The idea of fully letting go and like I have nothing I want to say like as someone who doesn't believe in God like I have nothing against like religion like I think religion does a lot of good for people and it's absolutely okay to believe in those things um 
And who knows, like, I could be completely wrong. Like, I don't know. And I think that's the most important part of like these conversations of being like, I could be so fucking wrong. Um, and that's okay. Uh, and that's kind of what I wish, like with the Catholicism, we could be like, hey, we're wrong. In a lot of things. Uh, we're not like, there's so many things about Catholicism that is not pretty or not good. Um, and that like the people, I'm just talking specifically like people in power and like how, what they've done with it. Um, I feel like I'm being very vague, but also no, just- no, no, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I, I think also what this can do, and I, I won't speak for every religious person, but it can lead to a, a lot of repression. You know, mm -hmm. um, I did actually. I remember I was talking to this. This was this was a few months ago. I wound up talking to this person at a cafe. Uh, she was a like a tantric sex worker. Oh shit. And, and she, but she started telling me, because I think she's from like from Australia and she was Jewish and she started telling me about all these Orthodox Jewish clients that would come in that their wives would not know about this. And, and like, she would work with them and I didn't know anything about this. So I'm like, okay, wow. Um, she's like, yeah, there's a lot of these Orthodox Jewish men are very repressed. Again, I'm not going to say all of them. There are, I'm sure plenty of them that are very happy with what they're doing, but like, mm -hmm. I think this kind of thinking can lead to that in some way. Um, and, you know, if you talk about Catholicism, obviously, there's a lot of incidences of the priests and their own, you know, issues that they haven't worked out. And yeah, that's vague, too. But yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. And that even goes for, you know, let's say it's not something so evil. Let's say it is just something that you're, oh, you're like you're gay or you just want to be with another man or something. And that's perfectly fine. But you don't know you if you're thinking that's wrong or you're not knowing how to explore that in a safe way or talk to a therapist about it like you know i it's it's yeah i it's uh like what like even that what was that 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 uh, lieutenant governor you see that story from like alabama yes he, he posting on the guy's instagram and i was like these are all perfectly okay feelings you're having but you're but instead the action you're taking are denying this and like banning uh lgbtq like whatever uh in the state i forgot, I forgot what, what specifically he was banning but he mm -hmm. was or i think he was even just like queer studies like just just being fully against this stuff and it's like okay there you go it's like this is the way you're denying this and um yeah the call is always coming from inside the house yeah exactly it's well, always yeah. yeah no no go on that thing of like just getting vibes from someone you're like i'm just get picking up a vibe from this person that's off and not off like you know or just something is something they're hiding, something that's just because there's probably a reason they're like this, like they're they're acting a certain way. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Just interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. Uh, yeah. And um, I had a question for you about something yeah. in Judaism and now I'm forgetting what it was. OK, we were talking sex and repression and. Um, man, I do this every time. It's a, there's always a good yeah. sign. That's a, com a great conversation because it's like the person, the guest is saying like really interesting things on your and you're keeping up. Ah, shit. OK, it'll come back to me. It was sex. Um, so Orthodox, like Orthodox, Orthodox, you can't even like kiss like your your um, partner, right? Until you're married. Is that am I thinking uh, the right thing? I would at least let's see, kiss. Your, uh, I would say that's true, but I don't. I don't know for sure. What I do know is there's something called shomer nagia, which is you're not allowed to touch. Mm -hmm. Like, um, 
you know, another, if you're a man, you're not allowed to touch another woman other than your wife, even like a handshake, um, and vice versa, a woman with a man, uh, or even I think even being alone in a room together, just, uh, that's for Orthodox, more Orthodox Jews, not, not like modern Orthodox, I don't think would be like that, but I think like the more, even more traditional Orthodox would follow Sherman Aguia. I had, um, I had a very short lived show called sex with your mom, which was a dating game show. And um, we used to live in Crown Heights, um, close to um, a more Hasidic population. And I remember I had this um, huge manual. It's a great book, actually. Like anyone. Oh, I, I can't. It's like a sex manual. I'll have to like find the title because it's a great book. And I was using it for um, the trivia, like just going through. And it's a very graphic in that there is like a lot of pictures, like illustrations. And, you know, we live in New York City, right? We see the craziest stuff on the subway. So I wasn't paying attention. And I'd be going to work to my nanny job with the manual out, like, highlighting. And then I remember a Hasidic Jewish man sat next to me and then was already, like, trying to keep his space. And then saw it, like, saw what I was doing and just, like, immediately, like, got up and, like, ran to the other side of the car. And I was like, just what's happening. And then I was like, Oh, right, 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 right. This is probably like a little too much for him at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, that was it for that story. But I just remember being like, Oh, whoops. Uh, didn't mean to damper your day, get in the way of, um, uh, your religion. I feel like I, I accidentally made you sin there. Um, because it'd be like graphic pictures of like, like fingering someone's like butthole oh <laughs> or like, cause it was a very, like, I love this book so much. Um, I want, hold on. I want to go grab it real quick. Cause I just That's want really to like get the title. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank you for waiting for me as I close the door. Um, it was called guide to getting it on. Oh, wow. And it really That's... is like, like, that's like a picture. Like this is like, Oh my God. <laughs> and that's like a, like a something from, from art, but it's like, and the okay. so the Orthodox Jewish guy. In the, where was this? A cafe? You said no. This was just on the subway. Like on the subway. Wow. Sex during oh pregnancy. God. Like this is like, and I'm just like taking notes with my highlighter, being like, oh, that's a good question. Like, oh, blah yeah. blah. And I like I ruined this poor man's day. Like ruined it. <laughs> um, but that was it. That was a. Uh, just to go back to I guess repression too. Just like. What I really give my mom credit for is like she never made my body feel bad or the wants that I had for my body feel bad. And my dad too. Like they were my I hope she doesn't get mad for me saying this. That's pretty personal. But she was like, my dad really helped her get through her guilt, like Catholic guilt with mm. sex, um, as they were growing up, like as they were dating and and uh married and stuff. Uh, it feels personal. I don't know. That's religion gets so personal because well, it's well, can so. I ask, did, did you see your like? Did you growing up? Did you see your parents kiss? Did you see them like being loving toward each other? My poor brother and I have like walked in on my parents multiple times. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like we saw intimacy for sure. And like now that they were like you, this, you should see it. But it was like <laughs> one time it was totally my fault. We had like a um, we had like a little key. Like we could lock all our doors, like our bedroom doors, but there's a little key that like for emergencies, you could open it. And I'm searching for my mom. It's a Saturday morning, mind you. Saturday morning, my parents have two kids and like morning as in like 10, 11, maybe even 12 p.m. 
trying to find my mom. Like I'm looking through like everywhere, like the garage outside. I can't find her anywhere. Like she's not, usually she has like a Saturday morning, morning, like cleaning ritual. Can't find her. So the door is locked to their bedroom and I'm like knocking on it and knocking on it and no one's answering. So now I'm like, are people dead? Like is someone, has someone died? Like I'm thinking like nine or 10. We're, yeah. I'm like, yeah, nine or 10. So I grab the key and I unlock it. And then there's no one in the bedroom um, or the bathroom. Cause I'm like, is someone like someone pooping? Like what's going on? Where are people? And they had like a closet that was like this, like kind of like a walk-in closet. And I'm like, I go in and I just see like legs, like around, like on the floor. And oh, I remember wow. my dad just being like, no, like, get out. And I was like, what? Where's, I was like, where's mom? And he was like, she's downstairs. And I remember being like 11, being like, mom's downstairs. Then who are those other legs? Like, who is it? And it was my mom. Like, it was definitely yeah. my mom and dad. Like, there wasn't like a, like a cheating scandal happening. But I remember like, I'm like looking and all of a sudden she's like, like hazardly downstairs. Um, my brother <laughs> accidentally walked in on them in this little like room we had in the garage with them doing it on that, like a, like a um, uh, personal trampoline. Oh my Again, gosh. Broad daylight. They were like, we are, we're going for it. Um, so yeah, wow. no, I saw, I saw a lot of intimacy. We saw like, we, they were very like, your bodies are good things. Like these are good things. And also in different locations around the house. So they were like being adventurous. Mm-hmm. That's what, wow. Sometimes you'd hear things at night, like our their bed was a little creaky um and then it'd be at night too like they'd like had waited for us to fall asleep but yeah they like they uh what happened the other day um they were like my mom was like yeah it's sex night and i was like why are you what why are you telling us this yeah they'd be like yeah we have multiple sex nights (laughs) um and wow yeah, it was so like that's what also was like really confusing about being in Catholic school. And you're told like, no, no, sex is bad. And my parents are like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. Well, like, yeah. I hate to say this is a weird thing to say, but I, I'm 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 slightly jealous of you. And this isn't that I wanted to see my parents have sex around the house, but the, I, I I would assume, and maybe you can correct me, that this probably. I mean, I maybe for some kids it scarred them, but it sounds like maybe for you this was like healthy though. Mm. to see this stuff like i don't know to i mean be honest we- weird but like maybe weird for a kid to see their parents but i would say overall probably healthy yeah and i think it was really healthy because they were very open about it like yeah. we could ask questions like the the trampoline thing i think happened I, when i was in high school and so i remember like i would tell my friends about it and then my mom i'd like ask her about it I'd be like is this true because like i'm hearing it from nathan and she'd be like yeah it is and like <laughs> would make jokes about it um they've made jokes about anal like i remember one time i was talking about my uh, anal with my mom um this was um i think i was either in high school or college and my mom was just like natalie if you're ever gonna do it like you need to be drunk like you need to be like loose <laughs> and then my dad comes out of nowhere and was like and you need a lot of lube and i was just like what is happening and if you ever meet my dad my dad's very quiet it's very stoic like he's very shy or reserved like he's very reserved yeah. around strangers but like around us it was always very um open they were very open about it and i think that's what made it so healthy and like these are like jokes i do on my sets too i was gonna say yeah you, mm-hmm. you, you have to do those those are that's amazing yeah and it's yeah. like for sure it's like 
my show exists because of Sex in the City and because of like my parents. Like yeah. the the game show Sex with Your Mom, I actually wanted to do with my mom for a little bit. Like I wanted her to be the co-host. Um, but I just don't think she was comfortable being on stage. Um, though she would have been great. Um, but yeah, no, just I to answer your question, I think it was very healthy. Like, yes, in the moment you're like, uh, mom, dad, no, I don't want to see that. Yeah. But you're like, no, you it's good. And they're happy and they've been together. 41 years 42 wow. years now yeah and they got married very young very young and then like i think they were 21 and 20 or 21 and 22 yeah i think my dad's two years older so like probably like 21 and 23 like very young like you still like if i look back at myself i'm like i don't know i did not know who i was at 21 no um i can't even imagine um so they definitely went through shit too together um but yeah even like my dad was in the army, so that I know they like kept up. I think they did a good job keeping up intimacy when he would be like stationed overseas for a long time. Like I think they just were. It was very important to them to have that part of their um, marriage and their relationship. And I definitely want. I try to mirror that. But even like <laughs> now, I'm going to talk very intimately about me and Aaron. Like sometimes we'll go like because of like touring and stuff, we'll go like a couple weeks without sex, and it's like, yeah. And then I'll be like, oh, like we. I need us to be on a better schedule. And it's more like, I would say it's more on me because I'm like, oh, I'm a little tired, blah, 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 um, from like going back and forth. But you see that and then you're like, shit, like that's a lot of work to put in, like to get yeah. that too. And it's just like a good reminder. I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, absolutely. It's, uh, I think it's a funny thing of like, um, I don't know if it was like a Larry David joke or something where it's just like you when you're younger, you think like when you get married or when you're like long term relationship, like, oh, you're just going to have like sex like every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not at all what happens. <laughs> it's like, it's not. It's just like a lot of just like, yeah, like weeks can go by and things go by because you just get into routine and you're just like, it's not it's different. It's different than I think when you first meet someone. Right. And it's like new and infatuation and, you know, um, yeah. And it's also like really um, you really don't understand how much uh, your energy is important. Mm -hmm. And like like we right, like we we work multiple jobs. We do comedy and like day jobs and like all our friends are very like creative and do like all these things and like hustle and and all this shit. And so that definitely adds to it as well. But then like it's also learning the intimacy of not being intimate too. like what. Um, sometimes like, it's like Aaron doesn't need sex and I'm using Aaron like as just like an example, but like maybe that person just needs it, like physical touch and not in like a sexual way. Cause then it's yeah. also like, oh, every time we cuddle, does that mean I have to fuck you? Or like, mm -hmm. and that again, that's just to use like a general example for people. And I think that happens a lot, especially when you're getting stuck in uh, routines. Cause yeah, like I'm like, weekend i'm like oh yeah we're definitely probably gonna bone like on the weekend rather than like the weeknight because we're just so fucking tired like you're just so exhausted and you just kind of want to be with that person or you want to be with that person next to you but like with yourself and i think those are very real things that people don't talk about too of like that's okay that's very normal yeah absolutely and like especially with what you're talking about just like during the week i mean for me it's it's even worse sometimes on the weekend where it just like seeps over where i'm like Oh shit! I gotta, I gotta do this writing thing. I gotta send out this email. Even on Saturday morning, I'm like, I gotta get up at six a.m. I gotta get up right away and do all of these things. And it's like, you just relax, just stay in bed. Like, does not even just sexual, but just like stay in bed, and you know, just 
calm down. Like, but it's it's hard because the way we're living, uh, especially the creative stuff, where you're just like, I have to hustle, hustle like all the time, and if mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm behind everybody. No, um, it's so real. So like right now, I have Fridays and Saturdays off. Um, yeah. I took today off because uh, of traveling. Um, so Fridays, Aaron works, right? So I'm like, this is the, this is the creative day. This is the email day. This is blah, blah, blah. But they're, the company is thinking of switching us to more of a weekend schedule where we'd have Saturday and Sundays off. And mm-hmm. I'm like a little freaked out. Cause I'm like, shit, when am I going to get my creative stuff and not feel guilty? Because I do the same thing. I usually get up like pretty quickly on the morning. So Aaron will be sleeping and I'm like, let's get up. Let's get emails. Yeah. Let's do something yeah. where yeah. like he would rather like, you know, I wake, you know, he wakes up to me cuddling him. And it's like, I would love to do that when we're both awake. And then I don't feel guilty because I've done like, I haven't ignored you because you're literally sleeping uh, as I do these emails. But it's a like, it's this constant like balancing act that like, uh, again, is never talked about of like, no, like if you're, to have a good relationship, you have to be there for them and yourself and your hobbies. And like, mm-hmm. or it's like, did you become too codependent on each other? Or like, are you too independent? Like, it's just a crazy balancing act. Right. You're extremely. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Because for me, it was like, okay, I, I got up really early. I did this and Becca's still in bed. Well, I guess I'll make breakfast then too. I'll make breakfast. I'll make a smoothie. I'll make all this stuff for us. And it's like, but it's, yeah. Am, am I missing the fact that I go back to bed? Like, oh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it is a balancing act. Exactly. Um, right. And that's where like, when people have kids, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how anybody does that right now too. That's a whole separate thing, but dude, um, we're, we're going to start trying in August and I'm like, I don't know. Right. Cause like, I've only, it was like a live in nanny. I was a nanny for a long time for people in the city. And a lot of times to really make it work is you've got to have help. Like you've got to have actual. Yeah. Absolutely. I babysat for wealthy children oh, for a few years. Yeah. Yep. And so I, I saw these apartments that they would have, as I'm sure maybe you did too, in the city. I'm like, yeah, okay, you can afford as much help as you need. And, you know, like, I, like I used to, there's, do you know Soho House? Yes. It's like this, like that fancy place. Yeah, I used to, I used to do uh, with somebody else. We go, we'd work, we'd work at something called Teeny House. So we'd be, watch, watch their, all the parents got drinks downstairs, went to the pool. We would play games with their kids in Teeny House. Oh and the parents the, the, and all the wealthy people, they're always like, it was like, you know, the six foot four, like Greek, like great looking guy with a man bun and just like his like blonde wife, you know, with sunglasses on. Not always the nicest people. And their kid was named like Balthazar. And I'm just like, it's <laughs> that's, that's like, it's like, I'm just like, oh, wow. It's just like you can just afford. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you need a lot of help, especially in the city. It's it's rough. It goes back to what we were talking about before we started recording. And it just yeah. it goes back to like how unfair money is. If you yes. have money, your life will be perfect and, and perfect in the most like least stressful way. Like obviously yeah. people when money have issues, probably. But like, yeah, if we had money to pay people to do those things, then we wouldn't have to worry about uh making sure we are checking in and being as intimate as possible mm-hmm. with our partners like that is it truly like breaks down to that and yeah like i would at the end of my nannying career i think i was so jaded like i was just so done with people with money um and the movie parasite came out uh yes and i yep. saw that and i was like i'm fucking done like this yep. is too real um and just what ugh. What's like the grossest thing you've seen in someone's apartment, like rich apartment? 
that's interesting. That's a really good question. I, the grossest, uh, well, okay. It's not, the grossest thing I can think of was not necessarily something I saw in their apartment. I mean, I did, okay. There's one time, I mean, what, what I noticed with all the apartments was most of them are very sterile. There were just mm. these sterile apartments in the High Line that had no character. Mm-hmm. So that was always the thing I noticed. Another thing uh, was that I was babysitting these twins once. This was at their apartment and there was like three-year-olds and three-year-old, these twin girls. And one of them, I couldn't find one of them. And I was like, and it was really high up. So I was, I saw like the window was slightly open. I'm like, <gasps> oh my God, no, please God. And I started calling her name and I'm like, where are you? Like, this is the end of my life. If, if you're, if something happened to you. And she just wanted to be behind a curtain and she started laughing. And I was like, you, you son of a bitch. So you son of a bitch. And so it was that it was, I also had another time where I had to go. They, these kids and their friends wanted to go to this like museum. And like the mom was telling the father who was going to bring them like, like behind his back, like behind my back, like bring Ian. Ian. Like, and I was just like, what? And so I just went to the museum with like this dad and his friend and his friend's kids I was there for like hours with them and not doing anything. It was the most awkward, weird experience of like, I don't need to be here. And you're and like, they didn't acknowledge I was there like while I was with them. Cause it's like, you're the help. You're not here to be friends with us. And so anyway, that, that's like the, when I think of gross, that's what comes to mind. But what was the grossest thing you've seen in a rich mm. person's apartment? Grossest thing, grossest like physical things I can, I remember were, um, uh, uh, the grossest physical things I ever saw were the like $500 an hour tutors for like the public uh, school yeah. uh, testing. And I remember being like, oh, and you're only paying me 20 an hour to watch mm-hmm. three of your kids, but you're paying mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah. And that whole family was such a, f- a clusterfuck for so many reasons. Um, uh, but one definitely had a f- uh, play dates with a family that um, they sold crystals like the dad sold like actual like what you would see like in the museum of natural history and he made a shit ton of money doing this and i remember one of the one of the families that i really really hated because the girl was one of the worst people i've ever met in my life like she broke me like i there was an episode of high maintenance uh where about a babysitter where she just calls the girl like you're just like a piece of shit Um, and I had a moment like that. Like, I remember being like, I can't wait till you grow up and you see that your money means nothing. And because you're Mm. an awful person, no one wants to be around you. I said this as an adult to like a 10 year old. She was 10. I was going to ask how old she was. Wow. And she was just such an awful person. Um, and they could never keep a babysitter, but I was always, I'm very chill. Like I'm a very chill person. I take things in strides. I always did well with these like really shitty kids. Um, so, but like, so that was that the crystals were disgusting. And then we had one family that like their their apartment was huge, um, but they had finally got this apartment because they were trying to stay in a certain area to get the public school. And they had to wait for one of the kids to get old. Like you have to hit middle or um, kindergarten and then you can move and then you're still zoned for that school because like they the kids are there. And so they were in for a long time. They were in a two bedroom apartment with three kids and then they moved to a massive apartment. And had enough room for each kid to have like a bedroom, uh, but decided to keep one of them as like a library. So they had like a library and then two kids that like kind of hated each other in the same room. And then that again, just like they use you also as like such emotional labor too. like I'd be done at six and the mom would talk to me until seven. And I was like, you need a therapist. And like she (sighs) talked to me about her sex life with her um, 
wow. her husband. Yeah, and it wasn't pretty. She said it felt like a chore. Like Whoa. he would just like turn her over. And I was like, well, I know what position you're doing. That's great. Um, and yeah. like, it was just very like, whoa, like, okay. That's probably the grossest stuff I've seen. And that was also when I did not have any boundaries. Um, and I didn't learn wow. how to, to do boundaries until COVID. Like COVID taught me how to say no. So I would never say no. I'd be on these weird, like you, like I'd be in these weird situations where it's like, why am I here? Like, why did yeah. I not walk away from this? Um, yeah. I mm-hmm. still have trouble with that. I mean, even even last night, Becca and I saw a movie and there were these two like 70 year old people like I think they were like Dutch or something. And they just kept whispering to each other during the movie. Mm-hmm. We're still like, so, like the animated shorts. And I was like, I it was this thing of like, I know I need to say something, but like, I don't know what their deal is. And so I said something. I'm like, I finally said something to them. I was just like, um, I was like, hey, sorry, we can hear you. Uh, and I said that to them and they're like, oh, OK. And then they kept muttering throughout the rest of the movie they still kept going i'm like forget it i'm not so but it was just this thing of like i don't know like i just picture people better than me or like where they can just really be like look if you don't stop talking i'm gonna like you know or just even with like the wealthy people just like setting really setting their own boundaries but it's 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 the sphere of power you know sometimes i still have it where Mm -hmm. i'm like i better not say anything because what you know it's it's like you know like with the kid losing the kid potentially i was just like in any case, that's horrific. But in this specific case, these are like powerful, wealthy people. They can do a lot worse to me than anybody else. It's just like all these thoughts go in my head. And so it's 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 interesting you mentioned boundaries with that because um, that's really um, very true. Very true. Uh, yeah. And but, I think I still yeah. struggle with that, too. I think that's the perfect way to put it. Like people with power. That is a very scary thing to be confrontational about or say no to um yes yeah yes absolutely like even yeah when i was talking about what happened earlier in the show uh like off off recording it was like um the guy was getting loud and was like i need to say something and i was about to but i was struggling to get there and then uh you know the other person got to it first but it was like i was aware i was like this isn't okay but like they are in a different position than me um i struggle with that all the time too and part of it's too is sometimes I'm in such shock that they think that's okay. Because I think like, you know, mm. I think generally like you and me are good people and like care about people around us, including people we don't know. And so there's like, right, there's social norms in a movie of like, don't fucking talk during the movie. But some people are like, right. no, I'm just, I'm, I'm here. I paid for this. I'm going to talk. And it's like, no, like that's, I, we're all in this together. Like we're all here to like make this a fun experience for everyone. Why the fuck are you talking? Like, I'm not going to talk. Right. right. And and it's similar to the sex stuff where it's like, then there's immediate guilt after mm-hmm. just because I'm like, oh God, like now, like I felt that last night. I'm like, now I made them feel bad. Now I made them feel like embarrassed or humiliated. It's like, I never want someone to feel like that. But it's like, but no, it's like people have to, it's like children, like they have to learn not to do something even at 70 years old. Like, this is just not how society runs. You have to be polite. But, but there is that, maybe you have that too, where it's like that constant sense of like, uh, guilt or shame or 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 just like um even though you're totally uh warranted to say something and do something um oh yeah, yeah. do yeah, you ever yeah. feel guilt about nothing that you contributed to like something yeah. happens and you're like adjacent but you did nothing to make it like be an issue yes i i trying to think of examples right now but yes there is that yeah 
Yeah. Or, or I'll, I, what I'll do is, even if I had nothing to do with it, I'm like, here's why I actually did have something to do with it. Mm, even mm-hmm. though, yeah, if it's, I'll, conv- I'll, I'll be like, I think I'm 0%, but no, it's actually like 5%. I'm 5% of the reason this happened. Um, yeah, no, that's that's definitely happened. And um, and yeah, and with, you know, I, the subject of your podcast too, it's like, I that's, uh, I've absolutely had that with sex stuff where it's like, I, I think also there's an ego thing of sometimes thinking you're more important than you are, where you're like, Ooh. oh, I'm, I did this to this person. Now I'm going to ruin their life because I led them on or because of whatever this. And it's like, you're not that important. And like, you're not that like, like, you know, trying to come to terms with that. It's like, I, it's, you know, you went on three dates and it's not, you know, not the biggest deal in the world that this happened or. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I struggle with that too. And I have a huge ego. I am yeah. like, I, in my mind, I'm like, I am the center of everyone's conversation. Like I, I'm a part of this. Uh, I'm actually going to bring that up in therapy tomorrow because mm-hmm. I was like, oh yes, that's a big part of it. Like you, it's like, I'm using so many, like, I feel like, uh, TV shows, uh, recently, but like, it's like, uh, in Schitt's Creek when Alexis was like, nobody cares nobody cares about you mm-hmm. no one is thinking about you the way that you think they are and like in my mind i'm like no everyone is everyone's thinking about this they'll never yeah. forget like ever yes that's so yes. funny yeah no so similar i feel the same exact way it, it goes either extreme sometimes if i do something humiliating i'm like well everyone's gonna remember that mm-hmm. if i do something like uh if or if a show goes badly if i bring that's why i'm hesitant to even bring friends to a comedy show because i'm like if this goes badly they're gonna think of me this way forever yes they're gonna think as, as i suck but then it's the opposite sometimes where I'm like, oh, like, hey, what? No one's thinking of me for this or this or no one's thinking of me that for this. But it's like, you, you, like, Ian, you also have to ask people. You have to ask, you know, uh, if, if you, you can't just expect people to come to you and ask you for things. Like, it's it's everyone has to ask and make someone aware of something. And if, yeah, like, if you, if you want to be seen, you have to make yourself seen. And uh, you can't expect people to be thinking about you all the time. And uh, yeah, you know, um, even, even dating was like that, where it's like, you know, I just did, you're just like, I'm not gonna, I'm too afraid to ask someone out, you know, it's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let nothing happen. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, it's not, yeah. Yeah, no, and this is why I love the podcast, because it's like, you start with talking about fire, yeah. and then it leads to religion, and leads to like it just leads to everything it goes everywhere yeah yeah, and it really does like i feel like i say this in every episode but everything is connected um in that sense like emotionally mentally you know even spiritually you know like it's just what happened or what's happening uh affects our actions and our thoughts and how we who we are as people today and like how Mm -hmm. that will change and and mold and ebb and flow and all those types of words you know yeah, absolutely absolutely no it's absolutely all connected i know i know um yeah yeah um so we've we've legit been talking for about an hour and usually around here i do like to ask the guests was there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to oh that i wanted to that's questionable i mean there's a lot of stuff there and that's, the answer can be no don't worry yeah i would say well, I would just say the one thing is that I, I, if I were to talk to like my former self at like as a teenager to relax a bit, and I sort of knew it at the time, and it's probably a lesson I need to know now, but it's just like, 
it's fine. It's okay. And like, I know it's a cliche thing to say is like, but it's, it's, it's so like, I don't know. I was just so heavily into that idea of what being a good, good person meant. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I don't know. Also something working out in therapy is, is, is those regrets and those, you know, uh, those, those, um, those things you said no to that you're like, yeah, it would have been okay to say yes to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Regrets are real. I think I was talking about that with, um, Aaron the other day, it's just regrets yeah. are real. And as you get yeah. older, you look back and that's, again, that goes back to why I'm like, I don't want there to be something on the other side, because then I hope that forces us to mm. do whatever it is we want to do. Again, nothing illegal or like kill someone, but like it, it, I hope it takes away that like safety net of like, well, maybe there's another chance to do this all over. Mm. It's like, no, this is it. Um, because yeah, regrets are so real and we're still so young. Like we're so young, even though it feels like we're old, there's still so much time, but you do, you look back and you're like, oh, what if I done this? Or what if, what if this happened? You know? Um, yeah. Like, I think if I look back, I'm like, I wish I wasn't as much of a pushover. Like, I feel like I was kind of mm. a pushover growing up. Um, but yeah, the only thing that helps me is I like to look back and be like, 14 year old would be so happy to see mm. this, to know like how much you've grown and how, where you are now. Yeah. And how much you're doing and like the type mm -hmm. of things you're doing. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, absolutely. I know. Uh, yeah. I know it's funny when people say like, no, I don't have any regrets in life or anything. It's like, I, I think everyone has something, when you have something you're like, yeah, if I could do that over again, I would do that over again. You know? Yeah. It's weird. Cause like we were talking about regrets and I was like, I can't think of a specific one, but it's more of like yeah. a general, uh, like, vibe of like oh things could have gone differently if like x y and z had happened right. um yeah yeah it's crazy yeah there's no way you don't have like zero regrets for sure um you being like literally everyone there's just no way yeah um and that's okay and i think like i think for me too like especially and this is specifically only comedy but i felt this way with sex too because i waited i didn't have sex till i was 20 I know sex till I was 20 and I didn't do actually like stuff stuff. Like I didn't like didn't give head till I was 23. And a lot of it was because I was scared of intimacy, which is wild because I saw it so often. But I was very afraid of intimacy for a very long time. To me, that was like such an intimate act. Um, but I, I think I would like be angry at myself for being like in my mind late to the game. And I do the same thing with comedy where it's like, oh, like I'm not where oh, I think yeah. I should be. And at the end of the day, it's like, it, but we're still here. Like we're still where we're at and that's cool and that's okay. And so I think learning that or like letting go of like having to be somewhere at a certain time or place, which like with sex, like that's such a like clusterfuck mindfuck too when you're growing up and you're like, you like you were like struggling with like, I want to wait. But then all of like, all of the internet, all of TV, all of the people around you are like, we're all doing this. Everyone should be doing this. Like, and for anyone who doesn't want to, like, that's also okay. Like, that's a very okay um, choice. As long as you're doing it for like, what's best for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. No, I, 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 uh, I mean, that is a regret. I think I would say like, cause I was, um, there was not wanting to, you know, you wanted to wait to marriage, but also wanting, wanting to do it, having this urge, but being like, no, 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 it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I'm 22. And suddenly I'm like, wait, 
Like, what am I doing? And, and, and it, do, it does become a societal thing too of like, I'm being fearful of being like, yeah, I was 22 when I first had like really had sex. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, embarrassing to me, but nobody, nobody really cares. But there is a thing of like, what's, you know, like when I saw Tina Fey talk about being 24, I was like, oh, that's nice. And like John Cleese, I think, talked about the same thing. Gene Wilder, like they all started like 24, 25. I was like, okay, I feel less bad to know. Like, what, why, but why should celebrities make that, you know, right? make that okay? But it's just, it, it makes you feel less crazy. Like, yeah, less like there's something wrong with you. Um, but it absolutely coincides with comedy because you're just like, okay, I'm doing this now in my 30s. I could have done this when I was 20 or 21, but then there's the thought of like, could I have actually done this when I was 20, 21? Because I had a lot to learn mm-hmm. that I didn't know at the time. So it actually would have been impossible. But um, yeah, there, but but there's a fear of just this aging. It's like, okay, well, is anyone going to want to see a, you know, X year old talk about this stuff or do this stuff? And it's, it's a fear. Yeah. But, um, but it, they do coincide. Uh, yeah. What's really interesting, and I don't know what the correlation is, but a lot of comedians I know, and not like famous comedians, did not have sex until their 20s. Mm. Um, Like a lot. Like I have a lot of friends that it was not until their 20s, which is wild because like the same thing, like, you know, you're in high school and like everyone's doing it and you're like, oh no, something's wrong with me. I'd always be like, something's wrong with me. I'd be like, people don't want to have sex with me. What's wrong with me? Um, Again, another ego thing. And it's like, no, I just wasn't ready mentally like I just wasn't um but it is I don't like I've found that very funny like the people that I know almost all of them are comedians Mm. or like creative that waited and I sometimes wonder if it is this like we have these crazy minds right in a crazy good way and it's like maybe it is just how much thought we put into everything that we do. Of course we would think about this and, and question and wonder, and then ultimately wait because we're not sure how we feel about these things. And like, in that sense, that's really fucking cool that we're just like, this isn't the time for me for whatever reason it was that we're thinking about it. We're really thinking about it in such a way. And then it makes it way more important too for ourselves. Not to be like anyone that didn't wait till their 20s are dumb or like they shouldn't have done that. But it's just like, I do wonder, like we, all of us overthink everything. Everyone I know that was in their 20s overthinks everything. So it's like, yeah, it could be that. We were just overthinking it because we overthink everything. Um, But it also just means like we really, 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 really care. Um, Even when you're like, even when you're like, would people want to even hear about this? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. But we care about that. Who wants to hear about that? Who wants this story? Right. And the thing is, like, I, 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 it does, it is the same thing with comedy or, or success in anything. I'm like, okay, like, yes, was there a want to be successful at like 2020, 21 or 22? Um, or like, but if you had, let's say you had massive success on the level of like Justin Bieber or something at 20 or something, I'm like, I would have messed something up really badly. I would have mm-hmm. said something really stupid. I would have done like things would, it's, there is a sense of wanting to be like, okay, I'm a little more grounded now in my 30s. So I think, you can maneuver things a little bit better. If not that you should even that not that any like success means happiness or anything like that, but like, just, I don't know. Like it's, yeah, it's this thing of it's okay. If it happens late, whatever it is later, whatever later is. Um, yeah. Cause you're just more equipped to handle these things. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I think like 
child acting is a good like or a child oh famous child performer is a really good like example or, or equivalent in a way because it's like so much at once it, that's so hard to handle and now right. you're more equipped to handle that right now absolutely right. i think it's a good way right. to put it right right not that success is the answer that's, not, that, that's really the flawed mindset it's like or whatever success is yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. that is something i work like have to work on every day because that has just been shoved down our throats forever now right like yes. this like american dream like success will solve everything solve all your problems is the answer yes. to everything and it really isn't it's just not and then there's the mind fuck of them like why do i want to do this like what is success uh-huh. within comedy is it ticket sales is it x y and z it is such a clusterfuck and there's a lot of different answers yeah and i can see why if i'm gonna take this that seriously then that this is why i waited to till i was 20 to have sex you know like it's like there's it makes sense like now we're far removed like 15 years removed from when i lost my virginity it's like yeah okay oh sure of course if you look at also like all the forbes 30 under 30 people like look how many of them are getting arrested now for (gasps) for like fraud and you're just like, okay, yeah, that's that tracks, you know. Oh, I didn't know that. I will totally Eli- Google this Elizabeth later. Holmes, the Sam Bankman Freed, you know, the the crypto scandal. Like, oh the, yes, yes. There's a bunch of other people like that too, or just these like what? Because everyone's looking to be the most successful person ever in their twenties, and it's like, it's like ninety nine percent of the time not going to happen, and that's for good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right now, for me, what I'm trying to do, or like teach myself is like success is am i happy Mm -hmm. am i happy every day and it's not always you're not always happy every fucking day am i happy am i content am i not destroying my body from stress um that's where i'm at right now and and once i kind of kind of pivoted to that i felt like i became happy again with comedy because there was a huge time for me where awkward sex everything the podcast the tour the monthly show was just this awful chore that i had to do mm-hmm. over and over again because what else would i be without it and then once i i mean 2020 not to go back to 2020 um once i had to be forced to rest because i was so exhausted had no clue forced to rest, forced to realize like, oh, I do really want to do this and then go from there and find like the happiness balance of like, or that the happiness check-in, it was like, oh no, this shows like, I can feel how different it is when I talk about it, when I mm. do it, why I want to do it. Um, where was I going with this? Um, I guess back to success where it's like, uh, there hits a point when you're like, you have to be like, why? Mm. oh actually this was like i think either a google or an apple like ted talk and the the thing is literally like what is your why because if you don't know your why you're gonna crash and burn and i remember showing this to people that i think i was working for because i was like why well like why are you doing x y and z like let's talk about this so we can like you know go further and then like we don't care and then i watched it and i was like oh no this is really important like like why does ian want to do autoimmune saloon like why mm. is that reason and i think you have a lot of really good reasons you know if the reasons are like i want money and that's it or i want like you know fame that's it and it just those those are the people that kind of crash and burn but it's like oh i want to you know open up the conversation for like crohn's and autoimmune diseases because yeah. no one's talking about it and it affects me in such a way and other people in such a way and it's invisible to a lot of people like that is like a great why you know like that is why i think 
autoimmune saloon will be a great show going like as you grow and continue. And that when you have those moments of like, should I be doing this? I'm so exhausted. X, Y, and Z. Am I happy? Being able to go back to the why, you're like, well, I want to do awkward sex to open up these conversations to make people understand that they're not alone and what happened to them in the past, what their relationships mean, X, Y, and Z. Then you're like, oh, it's totally worth this. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And what I've noticed, though, is that I, so we both have, we both have our things that we really want to talk about that are like in us and pouring out of us. It's like, we need to talk about it, need to talk about it. What for me, was, what is important is that I do like, okay, I want to do this. I know the why um, and I do it. But if, if nobody comes up to the show, if zero people come to the show and I keep doing it and nobody cares, which is not the case for, I think for either of us, but if that did happen consistently over and over and over again, it's like, it becomes harder and harder to be like, like the why, the why is still there. And so like, but that, so like, I'm, I'm luckily like, Awkward Sex in the City, like there are a ton of people interested in this stuff and like your your comedy and like what you're doing. And um, and so it's like that's there. But that's 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 that where that fear comes in. I'm like, OK, I have the why, but I need I need some of the feedback to keep the momentum going. Mm-hmm. I see a little even one person being like, hey, I really like what you're doing. It's like, great. OK, I'm going to that's a little push. I just so it's like this mix of both those things of like, I want to do this, but I also need to know that there's a people that want to hear about this because otherwise i might as well just talk to myself in a room and you know and that's what that's what's hard like i think it's finding that that balance with those things um no that's very healthy i think if you are a comedian any performer type um you're a little crazy yeah and you have a little bit of an ego and to keep doing what we do, I think Mike Rabiglia said this. He's like, you have to have a little bit of like a, a little tinge of like delusion in mm-hmm. you because yeah. there are those days, right? Like no one shows up or you're not hearing the feedback you want to hear. So you you need that feedback to keep going. And I think that's a very healthy thing actually in small doses, because if we didn't, you would immediately, you know, be burnt out. Like, yeah. I yeah. think that's okay to feel that way. I feel that way. I yeah. love being told uh, they love what I'm doing. I love being told people think I'm talented, like just just about me, not even like what the show is about. Well, I love that. And that I think is what definitely does help with the happiness too when it's a little bit harder and you're like, well, what's the why? And you're like, well, I love to do this. I've been told people like what I do and I'm doing like um, doing this for X, Y, and Z reason for uh, yeah, like, whatever yeah. that other reason is. Like, I don't think you should feel bad about that. I think that's very real and very, very healthy. As long as this doesn't become like the only thing. No, no. If it then, does, yeah. then you're, then you're going to be consumed by it and it's going to destroy you because it's like, then, mm-hmm. then, then you're like, looking for it all the time. But no, but I, I just, to- I, yeah, I just totally relate to what you're saying about like when it feels like a chore, it's like, I've been there. It's like you do shows for like X amount of years or even a year. And you're just like, I had that. I did a show at QED for like a year. And I'm just like, what am I, why am I doing this still? This is like. Mm-hmm. Like I need to stop and like you just it's it's and then people tell you it's okay to stop and you're like is it I don't know I I yeah it's um, oh it is yeah. like I used to yeah. do um had the same issue I used to do a show at Creek in the Cave called Awkward Poop in the City oh that's great I um, love that <laughs> I loved it too and it was about people talking uh, about like basically like shitting themselves right like really awful amazing. times and um I it was 
I loved it but hated it so much. And then it just became such a chore that I was like, I got to walk away. Yeah. And I thought I would really, really regret it. And I did the show for like five years. And then I had like a co-host like host at the end who I loved to death too. Um, and when I walked away, I was like, I feel great. And it was like a show I really loved. And I, I, I just couldn't find the audience in the same way that I have with awkward sex. Shocking, right? Like I can't get a poop audience like the same size um, as a sex audience. But it, that was part of it. That was like the audience there. This is becoming really exhausting. While I love doing it, I'm too exhausted. Like the exhaustion won. And like, like I said, like, I really thought I was going to regret it. And then I was like, nope, <laughs> I do not regret this. I, this no. was the perfect decision. That's so interesting. Yeah, because literally before I did the caveat show the other night, I was like, I th- I'm not doing the show again. I'm done. And then the show went really well. And I was like, all right, I'll do it again. And I like caveats. So I'm like, I it's yeah, because pe- some people have to cancel. Unfortunately, it's like and that's what you expect with people with autoimmune disease or chronic health conditions. They're probably going to have to cancel. And so you yeah. have to find another performer with that. And it's like it's at a, like tr- such short notice. You have to find all the stuff. And it's like. And, and yeah, the added yeah. stress too of like you just don't have a pool of people. You have exactly, yeah. you have a very specific like like group yeah. that you can pull from, and that can be very small. That's very stressful. Right. So it's that it's that same thing, but then it goes well, and you're just like, all right, I guess, I guess I'll keep doing it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, but it is. It's yeah. a weird mind fuck of like yeah. to be at, and I think just like it just helps to be having these conversations with yourself or other people too. And like, this is why it's so important. I find it so important for other comedians to talk about like the bad times. Yeah. Um, especially like on Instagram right now and we're seeing everything is like perfect, perfect, perfect. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, that's just like their filter. Like we're just seeing their like life filter. Um, cause yeah, some days like, like yesterday, like every, like this tour has been fucking great last night's show no not a good show not a good show mentally for me or for the other comedians and like that's so important to say out loud like yeah because you always see the sold out shows you always see like this is so great everyone Uh loves this Uh you never see when people talk about no this show really sucked like this this person was like awful to us they made us feel like shit like oh we bombed blah 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 like um my favorite I always talk about is uh so I do Black Cat in DC. My favorite fair venue. It's a 500 person venue like seated. Mm-hmm. Um and we had one show. It was during 2021. It was our first show back starting to kind of tour and we had 31 people show up in a 500 person venue. Wow. And there was a point where I almost canceled and I was like I really love this booker. I love Black Cat so yeah. much. They're great. They're great. And she was like, you know what? No, let's not cancel. We'll do it. They have like a red room bar. Like we'll do it in the red room. It'll feel really intimate. It'll be nice, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. I was like, that's great. Awesome. We get there. And they have just taken the people the in charge of the venue that day, put out like cabaret tables in the 500 seat um, a venue. And even the person who was like, oh, I thought we were doing this. The person was like, yeah, we just thought this would be nice. Like, they'll, they'll have more space. And she was like, okay. And I was like, okay. And again, like, I'm not mad at them at all. But it was like, when there is only 31 people in where, like, 500 people can be in, we were, you hear the echo yeah, exactly. of yourself. Oh, they still did it in the 500 seat theater. Oh, mm-hmm. God. It yeah. was like, I bombed so it's, it's hard. hard yes 
It was yeah. awful. And I will say though, it was wild though, is I got off stage and was like, yes, I still want to do this. Like I still fucking love this. Yeah. Cause I had been really struggling with ticket sales. Like I was really letting ticket sales get like in my head. And I was like, it was becoming like a very obsessed, obsessive thing. And so I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, full on bombed. Like both my sets were awful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, did I ruin my relationship with this venue? And like, long story short, no, they're great. They've been so great. We've gone back multiple times since and had much better experiences. But it was this very like humbling moment of like, you didn't do your press list well enough. You fucked up. You didn't get any of your PR where you needed to be. Like, this is mm-hmm. on you. But you still did it and you're happy. But no one knows how bad it was. Like, no one knows yeah, like yeah. how awful this was. Like, lost money on the show, like lost money on yesterday's show. And it's like, those are the stories that I think like, if more comedians were like way more honest about than like, or like anyone successful were like more honest about, I think we'd all feel like better about the stuff that we're doing too. It's like, oh yeah, so-and-so is doing the same, like having the same problem. Absolutely. Oh my God. I I can't say how much I relate to that and feel that because it's like, it's uh, the ticket sales are tied to ego directly yep. you're just like okay they, nobody cares uh uh and instagram especially i'm just like seeing people's instagram stories sold out shows oh my god they, they're getting a good crowd oh if they all know each other this network of comedians so i don't even know any of these people i should probably know them like this is i'm so out of the loop and and bomb it like like yeah the, and the bombing is so important it's so important to do that to like like it's yeah and there's so many variables associated with all of it and because i I, when i would produce the show at ucb every week that was part of the thing is that we would have like 40 people in a bigger theater and like the room was not conducive for comedy so we had really good comedians bombing and it's Mm. like that's what happens it's like that's what's gonna have like even if you're you have an amazing set it's like you're it's still definitely bomb because the vibe is just awful you know it, it takes a certain kind of comedian in those like where it's like like yeah if you're a certain crowd work comedian maybe you could really like do it great but that's I, i'm not that at all like i you know that's so it's uh yeah yeah uh it's it, i agree though i'd love i like hearing about people's fail, failures i like pe- hearing about people's poops too not in a weird <laughs> way but when you talk about poop in the sea like i actually had thought about for show idea too i'm like i would love to see people talk about this openly so you try to get rid of the stigma and shame surrounding it but uh, yeah, yeah maybe you know what maybe it comes back uh yeah maybe it goes to caveat because i think there's um there's lots to learn about poop <laughs> this yes. is how the episode ends like i i have a yeah. i have a um i have a set right now where i bring up like the bristol stool scale mm-hmm. um and like people don't know about it and i'm like you actually really should you know be looking at your poop you should be looking at what's going on it tells you know so much about your um yes. your body and like what's going on right now and uh it's and it goes really well, but it's like there is a lot to learn. I know like caveat likes to um, have like something like teachable. And it's like, yeah, let's talk about shit. Like yeah, the color. Yeah. Is it floating? That means something I, that, different too. That was one of the prizes I gave was a <gasps> poo hue mug. Ah uh, that just did, told you different poo hues. Uh, I mispronounced that on stage, which was not good. It was like it's hard to pronounce say that after after each other. But yeah, it told you like, okay, if you have yellow, here's what that likely means, or green, or mm-hmm. uh, when I when I learned about black. I was terrified. I was like, okay, that's that's when I had my first bowel obstruction. So I'm like, okay, that's that's <gasps> oh, good shit. to know. So I so now I look I look out for black black poops. Yeah. Black means remind me, it means there could be like blood. a bowel obstruction and blood, right? It's like that's old blood. blood. Yeah. Yeah, that's like blood, like that's just exactly that's like uh all all up all up in there. Yeah. Like, you know, uh not whereas like the red blood, 
like bright red blood could actually be okay. That just means like maybe like a hemorrhoid or something. Mm-hmm. something. That's actually, that's so funny. This, <laughs> this is where I'll probably end it. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My dad had colon cancer uh, and I think they found it through poop. I think he had some like black dots in it. Um, wow. So they did a colonoscopy. Um, so, and long story short, me and my brother have had to get a colonoscopy like every five years. And the first time I yeah. did it was because I pooped and the, it was just filled, like the toilet bowl was filled with blood, red, bright red blood. Yeah. And then when I wiped, it was red. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is it. Like, this is how, like, it happened to my dad. Cause I was younger. I, uh. I was 10 when it happened to my dad. So when they said blood, they didn't elaborate that it's like the color is black. It's going to be like right. this consistency. And then, yeah, I was fine. They were like, you need more fiber. Like you're straining. So your poop is like too hard. And it's like actually like getting rips in like your rectum as you're pooping. Like that's all that is. But it's like, yeah, how would you know? Like I, we got to talk. We got to talk. Cause like this could, this could be, this is gold. This is gold. (laughs) Exactly. That's what, yeah. That's one of the things I said on stage. So I wish there was gold poop. I wish there was like, you could, okay. Now I can at least like sell this for something. So Um, anyway. I, this has been a great episode. I have loved every moment of it. I hope you did too. I cannot I thank did, you enough yeah. for being on the pod. Thank you. You're very easy to talk to. This is very nice. Yay. Same. So yeah. are you. Um, no, this was such a great conversation. I always, like I said, I always know it's a really good conversation when I start losing what I wanted to bring back up. Um, Cause sometimes you'll have guests where it's like, Oh, they're giving you nothing. So you're like okay. writing down questions being like, I can ask them this. You okay. were obviously not that at all. Okay. It was a great conversation. And I'm so glad we got to talk and like learn more about each other. Cause like, I feel like I've known you for a little while now and I've learned so much. I'm so glad. Oh yeah. No, thank you for allowing me to talk on a lot of this stuff. This is uh, especially poop. Uh, yeah, no, I had a great time. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And I'd love to have you back. Oh, that'd be great. Again, thank you all so much for listening. Please remember to rate, like, subscribe, review, share, re-listen, do whatever you want. Um, take care of yourself, whatever that means for you this week. Go follow Ian Goldstein at I... I'm sorry, I keep saying I, Ian. It's Ian. It's Ian Y. <laughs> Yes. Okay. And you'll be able to see all his information too, as well as upcoming shows. And again, autoimmune saloon is next month. No, I'm sorry. Not next month, May, May 23rd at caveat. And you should absolutely get tickets and go as soon as possible. 